Well, welcome to Fur Road. Uh, in case you are new here, I'm Dan Tony. I've been the minister here for about seven and a half years, and it's been a fun church to be a part of and to see what God has done over the last seven and a half years. Uh, I did want to say thanks to those who were able to make it to the community Thanksgiving service last Sunday night. We had a great group there, and so that meant a lot to me, and so thank you for that. Um, I also learned that you guys do know how to sit in the front row, so I will keep that in mind because we had to sit in the front row, so um, turns out you didn't like turn into, I don't know, rabbit or something. It, it was good, right? It's not that bad up here in the front row, is it, guys? No. Nope. No, see? There you go. Um, hope you had a great Thanksgiving week, ate some good food. I ate too much, like I usually do. You know, last week I, I talked about turducken, um, and, you know, it's chicken stuffed inside of a duck, stuffed inside of a turkey. Uh, did anybody have that this week? Just, yeah, I wouldn't either. But I was thinking about that, and I thought of a, a few other combinations that, that maybe we should try. In China, they might want to have turdoggin. In places that like, like to eat snakes, they could have tersnakin. And, you know, we just had deer hunting season, so a lot of people could have turdirin, right? Okay, and then, I don't think you're going to do this, it doesn't sound like, but, but just in case, if you like to fish, you could be, get some turfishing, right? You think it's going to catch on for next year? Uh, from your response, no, I don't think so either. Um, so, have you ever heard the story of duct tape and how it got started? Okay. Here's duct tape. Everybody loves duct tape, right? Okay, duct tape fixes everything. All right, you've all used it. And so the history of duct tape goes all the way back to World War II. And a lady named Vesta Stout came up with the idea. And she was a factory worker and a mother of two Navy sailors. And she worried that there were problems with the ammunition boxes and uh, they, she was afraid they would cost the soldiers precious time in battle. And so she came up with this idea of this kind of fabric tape. And uh, she wanted to get the idea out there. She didn't know how to exactly to do that. So she actually wrote a letter to the president, Franklin D. Roosevelt, in 1943. And so they got that. And they forwarded that letter to the War Production Board. And they liked the idea. And they said, yeah, this, this would be helpful. And so they put the company Johnson & Johnson on the job, and they started making this duct tape to put on the ammunition boxes, and it, and it helped keep the moisture out of the boxes, and it did just what they wanted it to do. So Vesta, this, this mom in a factory, you know, came up with this idea that helped us in the war. And so now, of course, we use duct tape for everything, uh, including, have you seen prom dresses and uh, tuxedos made out of duct tape? So it's hard, probably hard to tell there, but that is all duct tape that that's made out of. There's another one. Even the flowers are made out of duct tape, and so their whole outfits. I guess there's an international competition every year for prom dresses and tuxedos, so there you go, kid. You can make a prom dress out of that. Does that sound good? Maybe not. So that's duct tape. So in the same way that Vesta made a difference in the war, just an everyday ordinary person, all kinds of people have made a huge difference in furthering the kingdom of God over the last 2,000 years because God wants to use everyone, okay? He just he takes you wherever you're at, and he finds a way to use you. 
And so we'll continue to see that today in our series, reminding us that God can use everyone. But we've looked at some minor characters of the Bible. We've seen how they've made a major difference. So far, we've looked at Barnabas the first week, remember that, and then Tabitha. And uh, I would encourage you to go back and listen to those messages if you weren't here either of those weeks uh, on our, through our website, uh, because I think they both have really cool stories of how they were used by God. And so now this week, we're going to look at a slave named Onesimus. It's a different kind of story, but, but also a, a really cool story. And so uh, Louis Giglio made this statement. The church is not built on the gifts and talents of a few, but on the sacrifices of many. Okay, I think it's a great statement. It takes all of God's family doing their part to make the biggest difference that can possibly be made by any church. And so since the very beginning of the church, it has taken all kinds of people to make a successful church. And so our, our story today has to do with the church in Colossae. And Paul was in prison in Rome at the time. Philemon was a slave owner and also a leader in the church in Colossae. And Onesimus was Philemon's slave who had run away, probably stolen something from Philemon. And, and he tried to kind of just blend in with the people in Rome. Uh, Paul wrote two letters um, at this time. One letter was for the church as a whole. Paul didn't start the church in Colossae, but he had started through his influence, and they were dealing with some pretty major stuff there, and, and they had started to drift away theologically. Um, there, there were some former Jews who were saying that you need to, to follow the Old Testament law plus grace, God's grace to be saved. Uh, some were saying it was possible to have kind of a, a higher secret layer of knowledge um, that only a few could have that was apart from the scriptures. Um, they were also, some of them, teaching uh, the worship of angels. And uh, some were denying the deity of Christ. And so Paul is addressing these issues in the church because theology does matter, okay? Right? The, the church isn't just based on how we feel. It's more than that. And then the other issue that's intertwined in all of this is Onesimus. Okay, slavery was still a thing in that culture. Uh, it's not quite the same as we think of slavery now, but many times it was more of an employee-type relationship. Not always, but in general it wasn't quite as harsh as we think about slavery being. So Onesimus is in Rome, and somehow he came into contact with Paul while Paul was in, in Rome in prison. And so either he was in prison himself for a while, or he was working at the prison. We don't, we don't know for sure. But through his contact with Paul, he became a Christian, because that's what Paul did. If you're around Paul for very long, you're going to hear about Jesus. And, and Paul told Onesimus about Jesus, and his whole life changed. Paul decided they needed to, to confront this issue head on, though. Okay, Onesimus needed to go back to Colossae, but Paul decides to go to bat for him and write this letter and so in your bibles it's called the book of philemon and so paul sends two letters with a guy named tychicus and onesimus uh, was with him too tychicus would be another guy who was just part of the fine print of the bible but made a, a bin, big impact on the early church and so uh in colossians 4 7 through 10 let me read that to start with colossians 4 7 through 10 tychicus will tell you all the news about me He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He's coming with, uh, with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. 
My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, uh, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. So, look at Tychicus for a minute. Paul said he was a dear brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant. He'd become a very important part of Paul's team and in, in, the, in the big picture, uh, God's team, and, and he was very thankful for him. Okay, he'd been in Rome for a while. I have a feeling to minister to Paul and help with the Christian community that was starting in Rome. But you see him pop up several times in the New Testament as a faithful follower of Christ. And so I feel like he was one of Paul's kind of go-to guys that he would always could depend on. And there are so many people like this in the Bible that we don't know much about, but, but they were the glue of the early church. And one of the things I'm hoping to accomplish with this series is to pay attention to the fine print of the Bible when you read it. Okay, when you see someone's name that you don't really recognize, do some research. Figure out how they tie into things. I, I think it's fun to kind of connect the dots and say, oh, this was that guy, and, and he was talking to that guy and there's lots of interconnection that that if you just on the first reading you don't catch that and with the internet it's easy to check on those things so right now Tychicus is a letter deliverer basically a mailman not a glorious job but but they didn't have UPS obviously back then so so people had to hand deliver the letters that that would be written on parchments and so that's what they did and and so let's try to put ourselves in the mind of Onesimus as he gets ready to, to go back to the place that he ran away from. Okay, it, it had to seem like a whole other life to him at, at this point. And it had to be really scary because the consequences could be great. Okay, it, his slave owner could have him thrown in jail at the very least or at the very most he could have him killed. And so he had every right under Roman law to do this. So what we're going to do is to work our way through the letter uh, to Philemon. It's only one chapter long. It's actually the third shortest book in the Bible. It just has 25 verses. And so let's read the chapter, and I'll stop and comment here and there as we go. So this is Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, grace and peace to you from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So at that time, the churches usually met in homes. Okay, it wasn't about the building in any way. Uh, the church was truly the people. And, and uh, you know, in many places in the world, that's still the case today. They, they meet wherever they can find to meet. Okay, verse 4. I always thank God. Thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. So he's kind of starting to build Philemon up here, okay? Encouraging him, maybe uh, softening his heart a little bit because there's a really big request coming. Okay, verse 8. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal you to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Okay, there's, the, there's kind of the bombshell. Okay, uh, 
I need to talk to you about your slave that ran away. You know, we often talk about intercessory prayer. That's when you're, you're praying on behalf of someone else. Here Paul is interceding, interceding on behalf of his, his brother, Onesimus. Uh, and, and to be honest, he's, he's going to lay it on really thick. Okay? He, he does. Uh, as your spiritual elder, I could demand that you take Onesimus back, but, but I, I don't want to have to do that. Okay? You know, I'm hoping you'll do the right thing out of love. He says, look, I'm, I'm an old man. I'm in prison. I just, just want you to do the right thing, right? He, he's pulling out all the, all the stops here, isn't he? I mean, it's thick. Okay, verse 11. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I think Paul is doing a little play on words with the, the name Onesimus. It, it actually means profitable. And so before he was anything but profitable, but now he is useful or profitable to everyone because of who he is in Christ. He's a changed man. Verse 12, I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. You know, Philemon, I hate to give him up because he's so useful to me here. And But once I... I found out his full story. I, I just didn't think it was right to, to keep him here. And he needed to go back. He needed to make things right with you first. Okay, verse 15. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Okay, I noticed that word. You know, Philemon, maybe this is actually better in the long run that it happened this way. You know, because you get him back as a completely new person, not somebody that you're over as a slave owner, but somebody that you are equal to in Christ. And so he's still kind of laying it on. Verse 17, so if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. Once again, okay, laying it on pretty thick. And it seems really close to guilting Philemon into doing the right thing here, doesn't it? Uh, but everything Paul is saying is true. Okay, verse 18. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing you with the, my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. Okay, it, it's deep. Um, so whatever expenses he's caused you, uh, I will pay it. Uh, I mean, you owe me your life spiritually, but... but uh, you know, I introduce you to Jesus, but if you insist on being paid back, I'll take care of it myself. No big deal. Verse 20, I, I do wish, my bro- wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Okay, if you, if you want to repay me anything for what I've done for you in Christ, you know, th- then do this for Philemon. Refresh my heart as I sit here in prison. Verse 21, confidence over your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Okay, I have a feeling that you're going to get this and you're going to go even one step higher than, than what I'm talking about uh, because that's the kind of person you are, Philemon. And so, verse 22. And one more thing. Prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. Uh, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. 
So we close with a greeting from some other believers. Some of them are minor characters that would be worth researching, like I, I talked about, and seeing how they fit into the story. So that's the whole book of Philemon, right there, 25 verses. What can we learn from a, a story about a slave who became a Christian? How does this possibly relate to us? And so learning from the story of Onesimus, it's on the back of your bulletins. First of all, the gospel is for everyone. The gospel's for everyone. The fact that Onesimus was even presented with the gospel message was a good lesson to everyone that Paul knew. And, and that everyone needs Jesus, regardless of their social status. This is a big deal. And this was a lesson, to be honest, that was a little hard for the Jewish people to grasp. Okay, they had been God's chosen people for a very long time. What they didn't really understand was that they were God's chosen people to lead the way to the Messiah entering the world, but that did never mean that God rejected everyone else if they wanted to follow him. They didn't quite understand what it meant to be God's chosen people. And, and even after Jesus had been here and gone, it took some reminders and, and some teaching moments to the Jewish Christians that the gospel of Jesus was for everyone, not just for the Jewish people. Okay, it was for Gentiles, it was for slaves, it was for women, it was for children, it was for Onesimus. You know, at, at the end of our Tabitha story from last week, it said that Peter stayed in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. Okay, now we're going to kind of catch the next part of what happens to that. While, while Peter was staying there, a man named Cornelius came into the picture. And if you remember, Cornelius was a Roman soldier, but he had been following God, the true God. And both Cornelius and Peter had visions from God. I'm condensing the story, but uh, God told Cornelius to send some men to Peter's house to, to bring Peter back. Uh, Peter also had this vision that some men are going to come here and that you should go with them. And, and so this was um, kind of a wake-up call for Peter. Okay, he'd been doing great things already, but he still didn't quite have it figured out that this was for everybody. And so here's a couple verses from the end of that story, Acts 10, 34, and 35. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts, accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Okay, so we, we learn from the story of Onesimus that the, the gospel of Jesus is for everyone. Okay, same just like Peter learned that in that story. We also learn that we need to view people like God views them. Okay, God loves everyone so incredibly much. And Paul knew that, and, and Paul lived that out after he became a Christian. Uh, but we also need to remember that God's love doesn't save people. Okay, his love draws people to him, and then people, you have to make the choice once you know about God's love. Okay, his, his love manifested itself in Jesus, and that's, that's the most incredible way that God showed his love for us or to us. And, and it's a big deal when people decide to follow him. It's a big deal. Okay, in, in Luke chapter 15, there's three different kingdom parables. And they're really kind of three different ways of saying the same thing. And there's the parable of the lost sheep, and the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. And, and really, they're all different ways of showing the excitement that God has when people decide to follow him. And so I want to uh, read the parable of the lost coin just to illustrate 
that God views people as, as a father waiting to celebrate when they come home. So Luke 15, 8 through 10 says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Okay, it was celebration time when she, when she found her coin. It's kind of like, you know, you, you've lost something and you lose your car keys and they're, they're gone forever, right? And, and then, then you find them. With me, it's usually they were sitting on the counter and I couldn't find them. But, but you find them or, or you lose your cell phone. For two and a half minutes and life is almost over, right? But then you find it and life is good again. And we get excited about that. Think how excited God is when somebody decides to follow him. God views every person as a lost child who, who needs to come home. So how do you view people? Do you tend to make judgments based on uh, appearances or, or maybe you've heard something about them and you, so you kind of just decide? Have you ever made an initial judgment about somebody and you were totally wrong about it? I, I have. Many times. But I think Paul viewed people as either on God's team or not on God's team. Onesimus joined the team. And it would have caused a celebration in heaven. And so God viewed Onesimus as a lost child. Paul viewed him as a lost child. We also need to view everyone as a potential part of God's kingdom. Either they're part of it or they're not. And that's kind of the, the glasses we need to look through. Not all the other things that we, we judge people with or think about people. That's the most important thing to find out. Are you a Christian? And then we learn from the story that we need to always make things right. Okay, it was wonderful that Onesimus became a Christian. He was now part of the team, but that, that did not free him from doing his very best to make things right because he had wronged Philemon in a big way. He had stolen from him, he had abandoned him, and, and it was wrong what he did. So he needed to make things right. Now, obviously, Paul was, was really encouraging Philemon to, to do the right thing, to accept him back, to forgive him, not throw the, the law at him. But, but this was a major issue that needed to be addressed. A couple months ago, when we went through the Sermon on the Mount, we, we read about making things right in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. It shows how important this is. So it says, So if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. He okay, notice it doesn't say if, if you have something against your brother. It's saying if your brother has something against you. Okay, that's a big difference. If we have wronged somebody in any way, it is our Christian duty to make things right, to do whatever we can to make things right. We need to humble ourselves and, and swallow our pride sometimes and say, I need to go to this person and talk about this. Often we want to say, but they, 
they wronged me too. All right? they, they did this to me. Why don't they have to say something? Okay, first of all, you sound like you're three years old when you say that. But that's between them and God, right? Your job is to do your part to make things right. And I think what you'll find is that very often uh, your efforts to make it right will soften their hearts. Okay, so you come to them and, and maybe that heart is hardened and they think you're just probably going to go at them again. And you say, you know what? I'm sorry for what I did to you. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it that way. I shouldn't have said that to you. And it just takes down those defensive walls. And God's, got, God's not kidding around here, okay? He's saying it's so important that just leave your gift there and go take care of this. Go take care of it now. That's a way of saying this is urgent. You need to go. You know, Paul said, Onesimus, I am so glad you're part of God's team now, but part of being on God's team includes taking care of past mistakes. Guys, is there somebody that you need to go and talk to and say, I'm sorry for what I did? It wasn't right. I, I, I want to make it right. Will you forgive me? You see, it's a big deal to God that, that we do our best to make things right. And one more lesson I want to point out from this story is this. Be willing to stand in the gap for your fellow believers. Okay, Paul stood in the gap for Onesimus. In other words, he, he interceded for Onesimus. And, and, and Paul's voice carried a, a lot of weight in the early church. Uh, Onesimus did not have much of a voice at all at this point, especially in Colossae, where he came from. But do you remember who stood in the gap for Paul a couple weeks ago? We talked about him when he first went back to Jerusalem. Remember Barnabas stood in the gap for him. When, when the disciples were doubting that Paul had, had sincerely converted to Christianity, remember they thought he was just this is a trap, he was trying to get him. Um, Barnabas said no. And he told his conversion story and, and how he had been speaking boldly for the Lord. And, and because of that, Paul was accepted by the disciples. And now Paul was standing in the gap for Onesimus. And hopefully later on, Onesimus would stand in the gap for other believers, maybe for some other slaves who were being treated poorly. Here at Fur Road, we're on a team, and we need to support each other like a good team does. Hey, Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Okay, sometimes people need an advocate, someone who, who will speak on their behalf. And if you see a situation as you go through a week and there's something you can do, uh, get out of your comfort zone and, and step in for them. Help them out. How could God use you in that situation? Stand in the gap for them. Okay, so let, let's step back and look big picture for a minute. Here's the deal. Onesimus was a slave in two ways. Okay, he was an actual slave to Philemon, but he was also a slave to sin. He, he was set free. And, and that's the most important kind of freedom anyone could have. That freedom from sin. 
Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Okay, Onesimus was free in Christ. And, and even if he goes back to Philemon and, and he doesn't accept him back, or he does put him in jail or, or whatever he does, even if he makes his life really hard again, and he punishes him for what he had done, nothing could take away the freedom that he had in Christ. Okay? And if you've given your life to Christ, and you've been baptized, and you, you've been set free as well. Okay? You have been set free from the bondage of sin. And, and you know what? If, if you're a Christian for a long time, I think we start to forget that. Even these words that, that I'm saying, they just become like second nature, and we don't think about what, how awesome that is to be set free from the bondage of sin. But this should be the, the number one thing we're thankful for as we think about Thanksgiving this week. And, and we should never want to go back to that yoke of slavery again. And so this morning, if you have that freedom, take some time today to thank God for that. Thank you, God, for, for taking away my, my yoke of sin that was around my neck. And it was just weighing me down. And you've taken that away. And that's something to be thankful for. Amen? And if you have never experienced the freedom that comes through Jesus, I'll just say, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance to, to gather here each day and to worship you. And, and we thank you for the story of Onesimus and the example that, that he is to us. And we thank you that you have set us free from the bondage of sin. And if there is somebody that needs to be set free, I pray that uh, they will be ready to do that. So just keep working on our hearts as we go from here today. Help us to learn and grow daily, Lord. We love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen.